This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Um, I heard it's 135 Tamide Chachamim who came from Panama um, to come learn. I wish I could do that, truthfully, to sit and learn a whole, a whole week. They're here with their wives? No. no. Okay. Um, I can't say on camera I wish I could do that, but... Um, <laughs> She might, she might see the tape. I'm going to get into trouble, but it's not a bad idea to sit and learn to sit and learn for a whole week. So I want I picked the Mishnah that I want to speak about. Of course, you have to put your cell phones away because you know me with cell phones after last year. But I, I picked a Mishnah that I think is um, very, very important. And the Mishnah is in Pirkei Avos in the third parak, and it's said by Rabbi Lozer ben Azaya, and he says the following: It's the only parable, only Moshal that said. Um, in Pirkei Avos, he says the following: Who are you, Aimer? Kol shechachmasay meruba memaisav. Anyone whose chachma is more than his deed. What does that mean? That means that you're learning, you have the knowledge, you know all the halachot, lashon hara, tzniyot, shmir senayim, tila. You learned all the halachot. Baruch Hashem, you're here in Lakewood. You're learning. Went to the base medrash. You know a lot. I'm sure everyone in this room knows a lot. The chachma you have, but you have more chachma than you do than in action. In other words, you know a lot, but you don't do a lot. So the mission says, a person whose knowledge chachma is more than his ma'asim, lemahu What is he compared to? It's an interesting mission because the pirkei doesn't usually talk like this. So it's going to tell us. What a parable, a story. What do you? What is this person? He's walking around. He knows everything, but he doesn't do everything. What does he compare to? So the mission says, Le'ilan, to a tree. We are always compared to trees because in Kabbalah, I know you guys like Kabbalah. Um, it says that we are compared to Eitz Hasadeh. We are compared to the Eitz Hasadeh, the tree of the field. Why? Why is the human being compared to a tree? Because the tree of all the tzameach, there's four, there's four levels in creation. There's domeim, which is a rock, has no life. Then there's tzameach, which is a plant, flowers, fruit, trees. <coughs> then there's a chai, which is an animal. And then us, the human being, what makes us a human being? Medaber. So the difference between us and an animal, between a human being and an animal, is what? That you eat? No, an animal eats. That you sleep? No, an animal sleeps. That you have children? No, an animal has children. That you can see, that you can hear, that you can taste. Animal has all five senses. So what's the difference between us and an animal? Medaber. That we talk. And an animal cannot talk. And pretty much today, it's not my subject today, I'm not talking about technology. But today, pretty much, the Satan has taken us through technology... No more medaber, but to become like an animal, a chai, because we don't talk anymore. I'm a, I'm a businessman. I'm actually a businessman, believe it or not. And for the last 38 years, I have a plastic bag business. I never imported from Panama, even though there is someone in Panama that makes bags. But so, to, so in the old days, when you were a salesman, you called up, you had a meeting, right? You, you gave your prices, you did your business. Today, there's no one to call. The message on the buyer, on the purchasing agent's machine, is 
please do not leave a message. Please send an email. Nobody talks anymore, right? Happens to be that Yitzhak Avinu, of course we knew that he had Ruach HaKodesh, he knew, he knew this was going to happen. He said to Yaakov, HaKol Kol Yaakov, a Jew talks. Texting? Yedayim? Yedayesav. <laughs> he knew that there'd be communication, two kinds of communications. Kol Kol Yaakov, but there'll be Yedayim Yedayesav. So the difference between a human being and an animal is the ability to be able to talk to each other. Okay? That's the ability. Not through a machine, but through a human being. Because what you don't know is that when you talk to someone, at the same time that your mouth is talking to someone, your neshama is talking to someone. How do we know this? How do we know the neshama is talking to someone, to the other person? Because what does it say? Dvarim hayoitzim min Words that come out of your heart, not your mouth. Dvarim hayoitzim min halev. Nichnosim el Go into the other person's heart, not ears. So there is some kind of communication between human beings that's not mouth to ear, but neshama to neshama. And I spoke about this um, a long time ago, that, so everybody makes fun that I have this phone, right? This old, nebuch, they call it a nebuch phone. So I just gave a speech. Your phones are the one that's here. Your phones are called smartphones. That's what they're called in, Ameri- in English, smartphones. My phone is called a very learning disabled phone. It's not smart at all. It's a very not smart phone. So people ask me, Rabbi Wallerstein, you're prehistoric. People leave you messages. You, you, you need to have an iPhone. You need to have an iPhone. So put on filters and don't have internet and, and, and don't, you know, don't do it for the wrong reasons. But why can't you be like everybody else? So my Rebbe, who was a very big Mekobol, Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovitz, in Eretz Yisrael, who's Rosh Hashiva, Shari Shemayim, this is very important for everybody in this room. And he said to me, he said, everyone, not only in this room, he said that a rabbi can get up, I could give you a speech today. The best speech about why you shouldn't have internet and why you shouldn't have iPhones, and I could give you a fantastic speech, and there'd be guys in here and say, you know what, I don't have time for my kids, I don't have time for my wife. You know what, he's right. Well, what's going to happen within a week or two, my shear that I gave you is guaranteed that you will not change. Why? Because while I'm up here speaking to you, everyone in this room is neshama, is listening to my neshama talk to you, not just my mouth. And your neshamas know, Rabbi Wildstein goes home when he's not in front of you and he has an iPhone. <laughs> So if I am not practicing what I preach, my musr, what I'm telling you, your neshama knows he's a liar, he doesn't keep it himself, and therefore your neshama will not be able to be makabalit. Now that doesn't mean that if you walk out of here today and you still have an iPhone, that I have a secret iPhone. It's not what it means. But it means that if I want to have a hashba on you, if I want to change you, if I look at women... And I give you a shear on Shmira Sinayim. No matter what stories I tell you, walk out. My oh, wow, it was amazing. It will not help you in the end. It may help you for a day or two. It will not help you in because your neshama is going to say, what? 
He does. He looks at things he's not supposed to. He's telling me what to do. So our souls talk to each other. When the words come out of your heart and they're true and they're MS, so I can't have an iPhone. Because if I have an iPhone, I can't tell you not to have an iPhone. I can't watch movies. Because if I tell you not to watch movies, and I watch movies, you're in a shama, you don't know in your brain. You, you'll walk out of here, you won't know. But you won't do tshuva, you won't change. If I talk by tefillah, Right? If I talk about, and I give you a share on tefillah, not talking, in the end, you will not stop talking because of me. So when you tell your kids, listen, this is very bad what you're doing. You shouldn't be looking at these things. And then you don't understand, and I get it all the time. But while I what's wrong with him? I explained it to him, it makes sense. And I'm like, so, when you're on a plane, or on a honeymoon or whenever you go, do you watch movies? Maybe some movies you shouldn't watch? So you think when you tell your kid not to watch movies, his neshama doesn't know that my father is not MS? Even though the words from your mouth are saying one thing, but what's coming out of your gut, what's coming out of your heart, what's coming out of your neshama to this kid, is it's not true what he's telling you. He does it himself. It's a very serious musar. It's very, and people don't realize it and they don't understand. I keep telling my kids and they don't listen to me because secretly you're doing the same thing. So even though in their brain they don't hear it, that you're doing the same thing. They don't see me doing it, but in their heart and their soul, and their heart and their soul is what controls them. Their heart and their soul is what tells them what to do. Where do your feelings come from? It comes from your soul. So it's a very funny thing because last year I came home from Yom Kippur. I go every Yom Kippur to Eretz Yisrael. Every single Baruch Hashem. I have a schus to be by the Kaisel. By Ne'ilah, I was chusadam vosikin, in Yerushalayim, something that I do every single year. And a lot of my friends come with me. And I have one of these, one of these friends, he stands by the kaisel, by Ne'ilah, and he yells, Hashem Olokim, Hashem Olokim, Shema Yisrael. So we, we fly back, he's flying business class, we fly back to uh, Mamash Matzayim, a day after Yom Kippur, we fly back to, to New York. I get off the plane, he goes, Zach, I didn't sleep for five minutes. I, I, I took an Ambien. It didn't work. I did not sleep for five minutes. I'm like, so what did you do? He said, I watched every movie that they had. What do you mean? You, you just, you're just standing by Neela crying. Hashem Olokim. What do you mean you watched every movie? That's how, that, you couldn't, a tape, a book, or something. That you, it's one day after Yom Kippur, you watched every movie on the plane. And the answer is that it went in here. Chachmosoy, right? It's in here. But it didn't come in here and it didn't end up in your hands. Tillin, what do you do? You put on your Tillin Shayad first. Then you put on your Tillin Shorosh. Shouldn't you put on your Tillin Shorosh first? First you think about, you have to have Hini Mucham Zumin, right? Lekayim Mitzvah Seishel, Hanachas Tillin, it's Machshava. You should put on your Tillin Shorosh, then you should put on your Tillin Yad. What do you take off first? You take out your Tillin Shorosh, and then you take off your, so your Tillin Shorosh goes on first and goes off last. Why? Why? Why not Rosh first and Rosh last? And the answer is, that's not the main thing. What's in here is not the main thing. The main thing is what's in here. The person's hand. The person's hand resembles Misa, resembles deeds. So you put your tefillin shalyad on first because that's deeds. That's doing. Then the machshava. Then the chachmasai. You turn it off. You take the machshava off first. You take the Misa off second. Even in tefillin, the Misa 
is the main thing. And this is what this Mishnah says. And I'm not giving anyone here Musr. But if you're spending the week, all these rabbis are coming and giving you classes. And you came from Panama. And you came here to grow. Don't leave it here. Don't come here for a week and become smarter. You got to take it from here and put it here. If it doesn't change your life, if you don't go back to Panama a different person than you came here, then you are a tree, and I'll tell you what the Mishnah calls you, a tree that has many branches. It looks great. The rabbi came back. 135 guys. They learned that all these rabbis giving speeches, a lot of branches and a lot of leaves. But says the Mishnah, Shanaf of Merubim, a lot of branches, Visharashav Muatim, but little teeny roots. Vaharuach Bob or Karto, Alpanov. And the wind will come, the Yitzhahara will come, and he'll flip you on your head. Which is a very funny Russian. It says it's going to rip you out, right? What happens if a wind, a hurricane comes? It rips the tree out. Why does the mission say that it's going to rip the tree out? And then it's going to flip it on its face. The tree doesn't have a face. Who, who talks like that? The answer is, I don't know if they have this in Panama, but I was once in the mountains when I was a young boy. They had a tornado. That's that cyclone that spins. And it ripped out a lot of trees. And I saw as a boy that the tree was laying on its side. You want to tell them what a volcano is? Uh, uh, what a tornado is? In, they know? Okay. Okay. So... So the tree, I was a little boy, so the tree was laying on the ground, the roots were all ripped out. So I figured the next year it's going to be dead. I came the next year, and this tree was alive. Laying on the floor, it had leaves. Why? Because the roots went into the ground, because that's what roots do, from the tree, went into the ground, and were absorbing the nutrients from the ground. So even though the tree was laying down, it wasn't dead. Says the Mishnah, but a person who it's all up here, and he doesn't do any deeds, the tree is going to be flipped on its head. What happens if the tree is flipped on its head? The roots are facing the sky. There's no unica, there's no nutrients, there's no water, there's nothing, it'll die. So the Mishnah is saying that a person who learns and learns and knows, but doesn't act, Yetzirah will take him with all his knowledge and rip him out totally. But what happens if you don't know so much? You don't know so much, but you're a doer. Says the Mishnah, He's a doer. What is he compared to? He's not the biggest Tamachachim. He's not walking around quoting Rishonim and Achronim, but he's a doer. And whatever he learns, he does it. He doesn't have a lot of branches, but Shirashav Marubim, he has many roots. Now says the Mishnah, if all the winds, not one wind, the first beginning of the Mishnah was one wind, if all the winds in the whole world will come and blow on this tree, you won't, it won't even move him. And on top of that, he says, this tree will always give fruit. So the Mishnah is saying, a person who's compared to a tree, who's a doer, it's a person who's not a talker and a thinker, but he's a doer, 
not only will that person, will the Yetzirah not have any Koyach on him, but his children, pre, the fruit, his children, he will always have good children. Because what you set as an example in front of your children, children do not listen to what you say. Children listen to what you do. I did this one time. Maybe you should try it. Ask your child. You don't ask your child. Have someone else ask your child, what does your father do? What does your father do? So I've done that. And the kid would say, my father, he goes to shul. I'm like, that's it? That's what he does his whole life? I don't know, but every day I see him going with, a, with his talus and fill into shul. My father goes to shul. My father goes to learn. My father goes to work. My father goes to sleep. My father goes to watch movies. My father is always on his phone. You don't understand. Kids, they watch what you do. They do not want, they don't listen to what you say. They watch what you do. And if you're always on your phone and then you tell them not to be on the phone, it's not going to work. And if you're going to tell them, why are you wasting time? But they always see you wasting time. It's not going to work. So if you want to have the right pre, if you want to have the right children, you want to have the right fruits, then a person has to show it by example. And it's very hard. But a, a child's parent is their best example in the world. And if you don't spend time with your kids, they won't spend time with their kids. Because their understanding of love is what you taught them love. Maybe a car, maybe a nice bicycle, maybe money. If that's what you taught them, that's your love, then that's what they're going to give their children as their love. If you taught them that I'm there for you and I'm ready to give you time, then that's what they're going to give their children. Okay. That's, I just wanted to start with this because I do have a very important subject that I want to talk to, but I don't want it to be a subject that's in your head. I want you to take this back to your wives and your kids, and I want you to make a change. So I wanted to start off my speech today with this Mishnah, that Rabbi Wallstein did not come here to entertain you. Rabbi Wallstein did not come here to give you more chachma. You don't need me for that. There is much bigger Talmidei Chachamim in Lakewood than me. But Rabbi Wallstein did come to, here today to teach you something totally new that I don't want it to stay here, but I want it to go into action. So I want it to stay, start with that mission. Now, what do, I want, what, do I, what do I want you to do? So there's a very interesting subject that I started talking about, and really it's not talked about. So it's really something very new. And the subject is called, when right is wrong, when being right is wrong, and when being wrong is right. What, what, what are you saying? And it's probably one of the hardest things for men, including me. What am I saying? So, you have a disagreement with your wife. You say one thing, she says another thing. Especially us, guys, and some women, we are going to keep fighting until we prove that we are right. However long that takes. Two hours, three hours, four hours, a half an hour. We're not leaving this argument until I'm right. And that doesn't have to be a wife. It could be with your kids. It could be with a friend. Men like to be right. Women like to be right also. Don't get me wrong. So here's the question. So I'm having a disagreement with my wife. She's saying A, I'm saying B. And I'm pounding. What are you talking about? You never learned about this. You don't know anything about this. This is my business. And I'm pounding. I'm pounding. Finally, after a half an hour, 
She says, you know what, Zachariah? I'm wrong. You're right. So what did I do? I made my wife wrong, somebody that I love. I made her walk out of the room that she's wrong. And I made her feel bad. So is that right? Am I right? My kid's learning with me. I like to learn with my kid. So he sits down with me, and he totally doesn't know the Rashi. And he says it totally wrong. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Who, who taught you this? You are so wrong. You are learning the Gemara wrong. You're learning the Gemara wrong. You're learning the Gemara wrong. You're learning the Rashi wrong. You don't understand what you're doing. Tati, you're right. I'm wrong. Did you win? Does he want to learn with you again? Does the child always want to be wrong? Every time he talks to his father, at the end of the discussion, he's wrong? Does any, does any, Abba, does anyone want that? Does any kid want that? So what happens? So the kid doesn't want to learn with his father anymore. So the kid doesn't want to talk to his father anymore. Because every time I talk to my father, Robert Wallstein, I get into an argument, and he doesn't stop until he's right. So guess what? I don't want to talk to him anymore. So I am not going to tell him what's going on in my life. Because every time I tell him what's going on in my life, we have to have a whole discussion, and he has to be right. So are you really right? If you lose your kid, if you argue with your wife, if you hurt somebody else, are you right? Or are you really wrong? And sometimes you really know that your wife is really wrong. She's really wrong. She doesn't have... She doesn't have the right information. She's not, she, she talked her wrong. Do you know how big it is for you to say, you know what? Because in your head, it's not that important. Usually what we fight about is really not important. You know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I, I hear your side. Could be that you're right. Maybe you really are right. Now in your heart, you know, she is so wrong. Is that amazing? For you to be able to tell someone their right to make them feel good because you love them and you care about them, even though you know that you're right. Do you have any idea, anyone in this room understand the, the self, the, the growth that a person has when you're able to do that? So I'm going to tell you something that happened in my Chabura. In my Chabura. I was preparing this speech three weeks ago, Tishabov time. I was preparing this speech. And I'm in the middle of my Chaburah Tuesday night, right? Tisha B'Av was was Matzi Shabbos. The Tuesday night before Tisha B'Av, it's my heaviest Chaburah about the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash and the Holocaust and Spanish Inquisition and the destruction of Klai Yisrael, depression, and I'm 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 like in this whole thing, and and, and and that we need Mashiach and everything that we're going through and rehabs and what kids are doing and anorexia. And I'm talking about all the pain that we have in divorce and, and, and people not having children and people getting, and, 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 and cancer. And I'm talking about a sheer, terrible sheer. It's a tissue above sheer. I finished my sheer and I'm talking about the burning of the base on Migdash and how that, that fire that burnt the base on Migdash, we have to rebuild it with the fire, our love of Hashem. It's, it's an inner fire, it's an Hashem fire. And one of the new boys that comes to my Chabura after the shir comes over to me. Now, you, everyone here knows how I feel about technology and how it's destroying our relationships. Comes over to me and says, Rabbi Wallace, can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think 
You ready for this? Now you have to remember, he's asking me this question. Do you think that when Mashiach comes, the Beis Hamikdash is going to have Wi-Fi? <laughs> Promise you, that was the question. That was the question. So I just finished talking about Tishabov, destruction, death, pain, and this guy, all he's thinking about is, well, if Mashiach comes and we have a base of Migdash, can I use my iPhone in the base of Migdash? Is the base of Migdash going to have a big antenna on top? It's going to have Wi-Fi. Now, the old Rabbi Wallerstein, before I prepared this year, would have said, is there something very wrong with you mentally? <laughs> Erev Tishabov, this is what you're walking around. Will the Beis Hamigdash have Wi-Fi? <laughs> right? Is there something mentally wrong? I mean, you're a very sick boy. There's something really wrong with you, right? <laughs> so he would have walked out, and he would have been very hurt that I didn't take his question seriously, and he definitely would have never come back to my shear. And I had just prepared this shear. And the blood was mama's going up the back of my neck because I'm a Kohen. Don't talk Wi-Fi based on me, just to me. Like, you know, I was like, I'm going to rip this kid's head off. Okay? <laughs> and I turned to him, this is what I said. I said, Chaim, I want you to know that the question you just asked me, I have been thinking about this for a very long time. <laughs> said, not, not the Wi-Fi part. I said, not actually the Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi, you're asking a detail. I said, but there's a much bigger, much bigger kasha. He said, what? I said, technology. When the base of comes, because it seems from the Navi that when the big war talks about donkeys and camels, and it seems to be there is no technology in the Navi, even though it sounds like a nuclear war because it says their, their skin will melt and there'll be smoke on the ground for seven years. So it sounds like a nuclear war. But it sounds like what in, in the in the the story in uh, Gog and Magog says that the eyes are going to melt in their, and the skin's going to melt into the bones and there'll be the, it will be the ground will be smoldering and it won't be pure for seven or thirteen years. It, it sounds nuclear. Mama sounds nuclear. As you're coming up the hills, their their their, their skin is going to melt and their eyes are going to melt. Their whole body is going to melt. What melts a person's body? A nuclear war. So that's what it sounds like. But there's no mention of any technology. So so. I said to him, I said, so I always wondered, when Mashiach comes, is Hashem going to, like, sort of move the earth like, an, like a foot so that all the satellites don't work? And that's the end of our technology. All our phones won't work. He probably will do that, but I don't, I don't have that anywhere written. Right? But is all our computers going to be gone? Are there going to be no screens? Is there going to be no email? All the technology that the human being has to this point, is he going to do the same thing that he did by the Migdal when they try to climb up, Right? By that door, by that door, where they try to climb up to Hashem, and he mixed the languages. And some very people, big people, said that they they can't, they couldn't make a World Trade Center to the seventh Rukia. That they were trying to develop some type of, of of spaceship, and the language that was mixed up was computer language. Was what some people were saying that whatever it is, Lamaisa it brings out in this forum that they knew the Shem Hashem and they knew all the Shemus of the Malachim, and that's what they were using to get up there. But so I said to him, it's a great question. I don't know. Our car's going to be over. Our ele- is there going to be electricity in the world? I don't know. It doesn't say it anywhere. I said, it's a really big general question. So your question's in that question. He's like, wow, thank you, Rebbe. I said, when I have the answer, I'll let you know. I don't have the answer. He walked away. He felt so good. So now, I wanted to kill him, right? <laughs> <laughs> would have, I would have been right. 
it would have been right for the rabbi to say, Meshuggah, Tishabov, you, you worried about Wi-Fi? You crazy? That would have been the right answer. Would have been so wrong. Would have hurt him so much. So maybe I gave him the wrong answer. Maybe it's a silly question, right? But he walked away and he felt like, I'm coming back to the shiro. I'm going to have more questions. And who knows what's going to come up with this boy? You don't have to be right. You have to make sure you don't hurt the other person. It's very hard. The reason I told you the Mishnah before this is because, you understand. But to do it, to actually do it, wow. Wow. It's, especially with your wife. When your wife's arguing with you, there's a thing about guys and girls. It's a thing. To say, you're right, and I hear what you're saying, when you know she's wrong, Shemayim will shake. Seriously, Shemayim will shake. You will break a middle of yours. You, you, you will become a new human being. Now, I'm going to... Now, you say, Rabbi Wallerstein. So, I'll tell you what the guys in my Chabura said. Rabbi, it's very nice what you're saying. But if you're right, you're right, and you've got to stand up for it. What is this business? You know she's wrong, and you say... Come on, Rebbe. You're right. You're right. Come on. A lot of guys here are like, it's very nice, Rabbi Wallstein. But if I'm right, I'm not... The Yetzirah will do this to you. If I'm right, it's in Avera to say she's right. <laughs> it's Sheker. Rabbi Wallstein, you're telling me to be Sheker before you know what Yeshua's going to tell you? If you don't fight it out and prove it to her, your mom is the biggest Russia in the world. He's going to turn the whole thing. So my class is like, at the end of the day... Shaker, you're, t- you're making me into a chakrin. You want me to become a liar, Rabbi Wallerstein? If she's wrong, she's wrong. Tell her she's wrong. If your son doesn't know the Gemara, tell him he doesn't know the Gemara. The kid tells you he wants to make Wi-Fi in the base of Migdash, wipe him out! <laughs> Maybe they're right. Maybe my Tamidim are right. But I'll prove you from the Torah how wrong they are. To tell you something very deep. <clears throat> so when Hashem came to Avram Avinu by the Brisbane Absarim, he told Avram, You're going to have a baby. Avram said to Hashem, Ah, oh, come on. I'm at this age, I can't have any babies. Hashem said, Okay, you'll see. Then he goes to Sarimenu, Hashem goes to Sarimenu. He says to Sarimenu, Next year at this time, you're going to have a baby. Sarimenu says, even, Hashem, if you make a miracle and I become a teenager, Adonizo Kanti, my, my, my husband's much too old, he can't have children anymore. Hashem came back to Abraham Avinu, said, I just spoke to Sarah. He may know. Abraham said, No, you told her what you told me? What did she say? Hashem said, She said, She's too old, she can't have any children. It's not what she said, everybody. She said, he's too old. Hashem changed, we say it nicely, okay? Because we're talking about God, so I'm going to say it nicely, right? <laughs> Hashem changed the truth. She did not say that. She said, he's too old. Hashem repeated, she said, she's too old. Says the Mepharshim, Hashem didn't want to cause, because if he would come back, tell Avram that your wife said, you're too old, he would be very angry at Sarah. Ask Hazal, what do you mean angry at Sarah? He told Hashem he's too old. Right? He said, when Hashem came to him, he said he's too old. So why would it hurt him? Because he can say he's too old, but your wife can't say you're too old. 
Seriously. Now, when I learned this as a kid, I was like, one second, Hashem lied. That's a lie. Avraham Avinu asked her, what did you say? And Hashem repeated it, and it's not what she said. And I never understood because God is MS. He can't say Sheker. God can't say Sheker, even to make peace. You can't say Hashem lied to make peace. Hashem can't lie. Hashem is MS. What do you say? Hashem, Elokeichem, Emet. He can't, Emet, sorry. He can't. <laughs> now I realize you didn't understand what I was saying till now. <laughs> Hashem is Emet. So how do you deal with this story? How do you deal with the story? How do you deal with the story? For Shalom Bayez, God can, cannot say the Emet. He can say Sheker. Through Rav Shimshin Pinkus. I think that I, I heard this from him. I'm almost sure that I heard this from him. It says something unbelievable. And then you, it's brought down, it's brought down in Sifre Kabbalah. You have to peel away. It's a long shear. Yeah, let's peel away everything. I'm just going to get to the source of it. The sources are following. If the statement that you say causes machloket, it's sheker. If the statement that you say causes shalom, it's MS. Emet. So what does that mean? What does that mean? That when Hashem told Avraham that Sarah said she's too old, and that caused Shalom bias retroactively, backwards, retroactively, that statement becomes MS. Why? Because it made Shalom. Now, if Hashem would have told the truth that he, she said he's too old, and that would have caused Machlokes, that what Hashem said in the beginning became Sheker. Why? Because MS and Shalom, and there's all kinds of gematrias and roots and all kinds of MS and Shalom is what created the world. MS and Shalom is one, and Sheker and Machlokes is one. So going and saying, well, I caused this huge fight, but I had to tell the truth. Wrong! If you cause the fight by what you said, it's a sheker. Now, I'm going to prove it. That's one proof. Um, I'm going to prove it to you from a few places. Okay. I took a Gemara out. Listen to this Gemara. If you want to look it up, it's in Baba Metzia. It's on, it's on Daf Pei Hei Ahmed Aleph. Listen to this. So Rebbe, you don't know, see, Rebbe was walking in the street. Now, Rebbe, for 13 years, when he went to the bathroom, was in so much pain. Maybe, maybe, maybe Taka had a, like a stone or a kidney stone because he had said that he screamed so loud that the people on the boats in the ocean heard his yells. So that's pain. So the Gemara asks, why did he suffer so much? 13 years screaming every time he went to the bathroom. What could have Rebbe done? So it tells us a story and says the following. Dahu Egla, there was a calf, a little, a baby cow, veal. They were taking this baby calf to be shechted. This little cow got very scared because it was going to shechita, so it took its head and it hid under Rebbe's coat. It was scared. The Kabachi. Whatever that means, I guess on that level, 
this cow, this little baby cow, was crying. Amale, ready, set to the cow. It's underneath his jacket. Zil, go, get out of here, go. This is what you're created for, to end up in the truant for Shabbos. Yeah, Tinku and Gilgu. That's why you're here. What are you here? To eat some grass? To end up in a Goisha table? You should be happy. What are you hiding? Go. <laughs> what happened? Omri and Shemayim, they said, they didn't ha- He didn't have Rachmanus on this little cow. He's now, we're not going to have Rachmanus on him. And 13 years later, there were a bunch of mice, weasels, in his house. And the maid wanted to kill them. And he said, leave them alone. And Shemayim, they said, now he has pity on animals. And his pain stopped. Let me ask you something, everyone in this room. Was Rebbe wrong? What did he say? He said to this little cow, Hey! What are you hiding for? This is what you were created for. Did he lie? Did he say a sheker? Did he say anything wrong to the cow? Did he say you're no good? He said, no! This is good for you. Why did they punish him? And the answer is that even though he was right, he was wrong. Because they said in Shemayim to tell the cow, just get out of here. You didn't have pity. So you were right. What you said was right. You didn't say anything wrong. But you had no Rachmanes, therefore it's wrong. And therefore you have to be punished. This is Rebbe. This is a Gemara about Rebbe. And he suffered 13 years. And had he not saved those little weasels, he would have continued suffering. Why? Because he was right. Why did he get punished? Because he was right. But in the end, it's a cow. It's not your wife. It's not your kids. It's not a friend. It's a, it's a cow. It's a chai. If that Rachmanis. And if your statement doesn't have Rachmanis, you're going to pay a price for it. So we see that this Midah of not having to be right, but having to make sure that you don't hurt the other person, that's, that's the most important thing. And you know what? I see it a lot in, in Shalom Bayis, where women don't want to, they don't want to discuss with their husbands anything important. Because every time they get into an important discussion, he always has to be right. So you're like, Ray Watson, I, I don't talk to him about anything important anymore. I talk about how is your day at work. I'm not going to talk to him about the kids. He has his way. He always has to be right. I'm not going to talk to him about his friends, even though I think this one's really not good for us. He, has, he knows better about friends. He knows better about business. He knows better about everything. So you know what? I don't talk to him about anything anymore. So yeah, you might be right at the end of all your arguments, but you lost your wife. She's there. She's there. She talks about how was your day, and that's it. Finished. Why? Because who wants to talk to someone who's always right? What kid wants to talk to his parents who's always right? So you, you got to give the other person, sometimes they have to be right. And sometimes at least I'll think about it. I hear what you're saying. There's two sides to the argument. No one wants to deal with someone who's always right. The biggest, the biggest story, and I'll end with this. The biggest story that I ever heard about this is the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful stories that I've ever heard. And it's, it's written in the Kisvei HaRizal. I have till 6.30, till 7.30, Rabbi. Uh, yeah? I do? I have another 10 minutes? Okay. So you got to hear this. Listen to this. This is written in the Kitzvah Arizal, and he says the following. In, the, in his time in Sfas, so there was this peasant, uh, a person who knew nothing, an Amaret, who knew nothing, who never learned. Poor people, farmers, they never, he never learned anything. One night, one Friday night, he comes to shul, 
First Friday night he ever came to shul. The rabbi is up there, and what is he speaking about? The parsha, and he's talking about the lechem hapanim on the shulchan, and he's talking about the lechem hapanim, the twelve breads that were warm from one week to the next in the kohanim. And this guy's sitting there, and he's listening in the base hamigdash. And somebody asked the rav, "Well, basically, we destroyed. So what now?" So he says, "No, there's no lechem hapanim until the, until Mashiach comes. There's no lechem hapanim." This guy goes home that Friday night, says to his wife. We got to do something. She says, what do, you, what do you mean? She says, God, 2,000 years, he hasn't had any food. He used to have bread, 12 breads, and now the base of Misha is destroyed. He doesn't have any food. What should we do? She says, we'll bake the 12 chalas. We'll feed them. She says, how are we going to get it to him? She says, listen, Thursday we'll bake them. Thursday night I'll sneak into shul and I'll put them in the Oran HaKodesh because that's where Hashem is, right? Like the Oron in the base Hamingdash. And we'll see if he eats it. Fantastic plants. True story. Kisei Riza writes this story. Okay? So, you can imagine Thursday, he gets the best flower, and these two Amaratim, who didn't know anything about anything, bake these 12 chalas dancing. Will Hashem eat the chalas or not? Right? And he takes this bag, hot chalas, and at 2.30 in the morning, sneaks in, to the shul in Tzfas, and he puts it into the Oran HaKodesh. And he says to his wife, okay, tomorrow at 2.30, after we, I work, before we come home, I'll check the Oran HaKodesh and see if he ate them. So, next morning, this guy doesn't go to shul. Next morning, Gabai comes to shul, the shamas comes to shul, he opens up the shul. What? Smells like a bakery. Smells like a bakery. Starts looking around the whole shul, women's section, this section. It smells like it's coming from the Oran HaKodesh. Chalit in the Oran HaKodesh. <laughs> All right, you never know. He opens up the Oran HaKodesh, 12 chalot. He says, wow, there must be a tzaddik that lives in the city who wants to give chalot to the poor people and he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. So he put it in the Oran HaKodesh. I'll take them and I'll give them to the poor people. So he takes the chalot, chalot and he gives them out to the poor people. This guy shows up at 2.30 no one's around. He's all excited. Oh, I hope Hashem ate it. I hope Hashem ate it. I hope Hashem ate it. He's all excited. He opens it up. It's gone. He runs home. Hashem ate it. We fed Hashem. He's not starving 2,000 years. He had no bread. Now he finally ate it. Something to eat. He's all excited. They're like, okay, listen, this is our secret. We're not telling the rabbi. We're not telling anybody. We're feeding Hashem. So you can't imagine in this room the excitement every single Thursday. They're baking food for Hashem. And this is, this is like a miracle. And he comes every Friday to 30 and the chalas are gone. And the chalas are gone and the chalas are gone. And our day, if something happened like that, they would probably say, well, Hashem, he's healthy. Well, you know, they would bake whole wheat. But that was, in those days it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't whole wheat. It wasn't whole wheat. Okay. A year. It's going on for a year. One, one, day, one night, the guy comes in at 2.30 at night with the chalas sneaking in, and the rav, the rabbi of the shul, happened to have been there. And he was in the Ezra Snashim, and he sees a guy sneaking to our quarters, thinking the guy's stealing the Sefer Torah, Sefer Torah. He comes running downstairs, what are you doing? Caught the guy with the chalas in his hand. What are you doing with the Arnachodesh? Why'd you open the Arnachodesh? You're stealing the Sefer Torah? He's like, Rabbi, you have to swear to me you won't tell anybody. I'm not swearing nothing. What are you doing? He said, you can't tell anyone. What are you doing? He said, well, last year was about your speech. And you said God was, you know, he, he doesn't have any bread. So if you don't tell anyone, 
and, I, and you'll see, see I, we bake these 12 breads and then I put it here. And if you'll come with me tomorrow at 2.30, you'll see that they're all gone. Hashem is eat. Don't tell anyone, Rabbi. <laughs> Rabbi looks at this guy and says, You idiot! You are You are You're feeding Hashem? Hashem eats bread? What's wrong with you? The lechem upon was for the kahanim. Hashem doesn't eat bread. Go home to your wife, you fool. He's like, but, but 2.30 every, every Friday, the chalas are gone. So you're sure they're gone. We give it out to the poor people. We thought somebody was giving tzedakah. Not feeding Hashem, you fool. Broken. Goes home to his wife. I'll show it to you in the Kisver. I read what he writes. Not in Neuridik. Goes home to his wife. Says, I just met the rabbi. You know what we've been doing for the last year? We've been baking bread and they're giving it to the poor. Hashem doesn't eat bread. The lechem upon him was with the kahanim. These two were tzabrachim. Not broken. Tzabrachim means they were broken. Shabbos. Shabbos. That Rizal goes to sleep Friday night and he has a dream. And he writes this. And in my dream came the sar, came the malach from the other side, which is the malach that represents Hashem. And the malach said to me, that I should go to the rabbi's house and I should tell him that a Baruch Hu said that for the last 2,000 years he has no reach nichoach from this world since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And for the last year he once again had the reach nichoach I don't know how you would translate that even into English. The reach nichoach of the Beis HaMikdash was back. These two people baking those chalas gave Hashem so much hana, And you, Rabbi, took it away from God. Tell the Rabbi that he will die a terrible death. He will not make it through Shabbos. And the Rizal writes, the Kachoya. He died a terrible death. Mincha time, that Shabbos. Was the Rabbi wrong, guys? Does Hashem eat bread? Wasn't he right that there were fools? That Ma'amaratzim? God doesn't eat bread. What do you think you're doing? What should the rabbi have said? God's eating your bread and continued playing on? He should have said what he said. God doesn't eat bread. What are you doing? That's the MS. Everybody in this room. What's the MS? The MS is God doesn't eat bread. The MS is you're an Amoretz. If you think you have to feed God, there's something wrong with you. He's not human. So what the rabbi said was right. And Hashem said, no. The rabbi hurt these two people. The rabbi will die because his right is wrong if it hurts others. <laughs> but this story takes it a step further. What did the malach tell the Arizal? The Malach told the Arizal, I understand that part of the story. He hurt these people's feelings. He should have been, right? But the Malach told the Arizal something crazy. The Malach told the Arizal that this challah, which was sheker, Hashem doesn't eat challah, was a reach nichoach, like a mizbeach in the base Hamingdosh. But it's not. It's challah. It's sheker. It's wrong! No, said Hashem. 
They made it with love. They made it because they loved me. So even though they were wrong, they were right. And even though the rabbi was right, he was wrong. If you could take this home with you, not up here, but in here, when it comes to your wives, when it comes to your children, when it comes to poor people, you know, sometimes you're right. The guy rang your bell for tzedakah, and you finally had time to relax. So you're right. It's my time. But you're wrong. Because this guy came to collect, and he's not coming back. So even though you're right, and you have a right, but your right is being wrong, and you talk wrong. I have time for myself. I need to rest. I need to get healthy. So it's wrong. But if the guy's going to walk away with a dollar, whatever you're going to give with him, and he's going to be happy, so even though you might have been wrong because you really should take a rest, well, my Hashem looks at the end. The end justifies the means. If the end causes shalom, it's MS. If the end causes any machlekes, it's sheker. You can look at the wall, it's MS. I have to tell the truth. I have to be the truth. Wrong. Wrong. The, the rabbi died a terrible death. He was right. And Hashem had a reich nechoach, and it was so wrong. It was so wrong. Do you know what that means for God to say since the destruction of Beis Hamidus? I didn't have a reich nechoach until these two people baked 12 chalas. And they were and They knew nothing. And that goes back to the beginning of the Mishnah. Full circle. They talk, he didn't have the Chachma. He didn't know the real laws. He didn't understand what the Mizbeach was. He didn't understand what a Beis Hamidus was. He didn't understand that Hashem doesn't eat bread. He did not have the Chachma. He did not have the knowledge. He totally misunderstood the 12 breads and what they meant, what the rabbi meant. He didn't have the knowledge, but what did he have? A Misa, 12 chalas, every Thursday, from love. Those roots, the greatest wind in the world can come and blow, it won't move it at all. And those roots, a father that acts like that, that breaks his midos, he's going to have pre, like the Mishnah says, his fruits will always be healthy. So my bracha to all of you, is that you should have deep roots and good fruit. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.